Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you. We're joined by our panel to discuss some of the stories in this morning's newspapers and, yes, it's all about Leo and Simon. We have a couple of Dublin choir boys and a soprano joining me this morning. On one side of the table is the man behind the Irish Times on- online leadership tracker. He's been talking to Finnegalers all around the country over the past week and he's been calling it pretty well. He's their political correspondent, Fiek Kelly, who we know um, had some of the cupcakes in Leo Street. But did you get the smashed avocado toast? No, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't make that particular one, but I got a cupcake yesterday. Alongside <coughs> Fake is former Irish Rugby International and Leinster coach. He's also a former senator and Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin North, Jim Glennon. I'm still not over the disaster that was the RDS on Friday. Are you? Not quite, Ivan, but we've we've a few months to mull over it all. The now. pain, the pain is there, and also it's a great pleasure to welcome author, columnist with the Irish Examiner, uh, the chair of the communications clinic, generally, uh, Terry Prone, the Queen of Spin. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm only grand, and I would be mezzo rather than soprano. All right, all right. Well, we'll go with that. Let's just go with the front pages of the papers. Co- the Sunday Independent leads with Coveney digs in afternoon and call. Finance Minister intervenes in bid to keep race alive. They also have bizarre last-minute moves for Harris to enter the contest. That was Friday before the close of deadline. We don't know if that's true or not. The Sunday Business Post. Radker's coronation as Coveney team cries betrayal. Coveney camp complained they were misled by TDs and senators. Tut, tut, people promising one thing and doing another. And maybe are Simon Harris and Damien English facing the axe and is there going to be a snap general election? All that's in the business post. The Sunday Times leads uh, with a smiling Radker at his launch yesterday. Radker closes in on victory. Tornish to add support for runaway favourite. Um, and then we have the Irish Mail on Sunday finally. Quit Simon. And that's the message from his own team. And it has uh, also on the front page that Radker is going to launch his own policy proposals, which includes a capital investment programme of £3.7 billion. Uh, Fiek, you've been covering all angles of this rolling story since Enda made his announcement on Wednesday evening. What has been the most striking feature of the last 48 hours for you? I think the most striking aspect of this leadership contest was the level of organisation of Leo Varadkar's team, the way they blitzed the first two or three days. It began on Thursday with a rollout of all these people we knew to be Leo Varadkar supporters. So by Thursday evening, he had about 30 members of the Parliamentary Party supporting him. There were no major surprises. Bar Richard Bruton quite skillfully bowing out and backing Leo. But I think what I was struck by was Friday. There were a real few sucker punches and they were timed to maximum effect to really dishearten the Coveney camp. So we had Charlie Flanagan in the morning. And then people who are not national figures, but you know, if you're watching the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party, you would know that people like John D.C. falling towards Leo Varadkar and Tom Neville, who's a first-time TD for Limerick, falling towards Leo Varadkar. Timed to maximum effect to really take the wind out of Simon Coveney. I think that was So it's really the clinical execution it was, cl- it. it was the clinical execution and it was ruthless, but it had to be ruthless. This is politics. This is the way you operate. I think the ruthlessness and the clinical ruthlessness of it was hugely impressive. And the way it was done so skillfully that the Leo team for months have been confident of their numbers, but they've kept their mouths absolutely shut. If you asked Owen Murphy, you know, 
show us your numbers. You go, I'm not showing you my numbers at all. Knowing full well that it would be a surprise when they hit the ground running. If you ask the Coveney people, they would kind of say, oh, we believe we have 30 of this and maybe 32. They didn't. And Murphy knew that by keeping quiet, he would absolutely blitz the Coveney side and create maximum surprise and devastate them. I think that was hugely impressive. Terry, you've been a veteran, if I may say so, observer of both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael leadership contests. When do you think this one actually started? It should have started a year ago because whenever I've been involved in one of these things, you, you know that the first thing that you need to do is to have your potential leader go around the country and meet TDs, senators, candidates, potential candidates, councillors and not talk at them. Sit down, learn them, find out where they're coming from, what their potential is, what are their hopes and dreams, and then stay in contact with them so that they're feeding into your thoughts. People don't vote for leaders because they admire the leader. People vote for leaders because of the way the leader makes them feel about themselves. And therefore, I would have been saying if I was involved in the strategy of either camp, which I wasn't, um, that's where you start. And you must, by the end of six months, have a three-part grid which says this number of people by name will die for me. That's the first and most important one. The second, don't know for sure about these, but we think. And the third is, no point in wasting time on these people. They will never vote for me. And from then on, you have your your war people, your spies, your cohort, going out and checking all of the time because... People, tell people will you promise you and they mightn't be sincere. So you need to double check their that, sincerity. That was a sad thing about some of the comments made that uh, ministers and others had told Simon Coveney's camp that they were voting for them. They should never have been believed until they were triple checked. Um, it reminds me of the old Carnegie adage. People forget what you said. People forget everything, but they never forget how, how you, you made, made them, them feel. feel. Yes. Indeed, indeed. And it's very wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, uh, uh, what we... I mean, like, we've heard there that this has been long planned by Radcar. This has been slickly executed. What struck you as, as the most critical element of the last 48 hours since Enda made his announcement? The thing that struck me, Ivan, was the, uh, probably a combination of what Fiat and Terry have just spoken about, where you have, uh, to me, uh, campaigning, in, internal party campaigning has brought to a whole new level. It reminds me, in fact, dare I say it, of Seamus Brennan coming back from the States in the early 70s and the, what that resulted in, in, in the 1977 landslide uh, for Fianna Fáil that no, nobody had predicted. And here you have... I believe a combination as I say of what both uh, Fiach and Terry have referred to where you have the old style politics of counting heads and doing so absolutely ruthlessly on the one part and then on the other part the public exposition of the results of that groundwork which has been going on I've, I've no doubt for the last two maybe th- maybe three years and uh, it has all uh, fallen into place very nicely. I think it has to be said too that Uh, it's something of a perfect storm for the Leo camp in that the uh, opposition were uh, conspicuous by their absence. Uh, It was always going to be momentum, uh, would have a huge uh, role to play in this and absolutely no momentum or it seemed to me little attempt at gaining momentum on the part of Simon Coveney's camp. 
Well, earlier this morning I spoke to Martin Hayden, the chairman of Fine Gael, who's part of the oversight in organise team over, uh, overseeing the election. He's the Fine Gael TD for Kildare South and chairman of the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party. But maybe one of the more interesting and colourful interventions was that of uh, Simon Coveney supporter and Fine Gael TD Kate O'Connell. She was speaking at a Clare event the other night. This audio is from the Irish Independent. I am very disappointed in the last few days at the choreographed coordinated choir boys that came out boys that are singing for their supper and perhaps will end up leaving exactly what I found out from you when I came and I spoke to you that you want to be heard as members the councillors want to be heard and with the process the way it's turning at the minute your voices will not be heard and the voices... manager of the other side for a long time as a member in Dublin Bay South and I know the form and I'm not shocked at what has happened in the last 48 hours but we will continue and we will fight and we will run our two week campaign up in Dublin Dublin that forgets about rural Ireland and rural Ireland feeds into Dublin. There is no Dublin without rural Ireland. That was Kate O'Connell, uh, a strong supporter of Simon Coveney, addressing a Fine Gael meeting in Clare. Well, joining us now on Yates and Sunday is the chairman of the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party, part of the oversight uh, team of the election, Martin Hayden uh, from Kildare. Martin, what's your reaction to that clip? Uh, well, well, good morning, uh, Ivan. I, I prefer not to hear my colleagues speak into such terms, um, but obviously we're in uh, a leadership contest and um, you know, I, I'm sure you would expect uh, uh, different comments to be made over the course of the couple of weeks. But we have a process in place within the party and a structure um, to deal with all such eventualities. And uh, while the the constitutional rules of Fine Gael deal with every element of the uh, leadership contest, from the nominations to the regional hustings to the voting and the polling, um, there also is a code of conduct there, and there's an ethics and election uh, subcommittee which um, deals with any matters uh, around conduct of either the candidates or their team. Would you condemn her remarks? No, I wouldn't make a comment um, anyway in relation to any comments because the the code of conduct that is there for each of the... So she didn't break the code of conduct? I'm I'm not saying, I'm not making a comment either way, uh, Ivan, because ultimately the the code of conduct is a private contract between the candidates and the party and and, um, their respective teams. Um, and any sanctions within there are set down within that private contract and Fine Gael doesn't make a comment on individual matters All right. and individual cases. I, I just want you, you said you can cover all eventualities. I want to ask you a logistical question and it is a hypothetical question. It's a long way in media times and column inches to fill and radio and TV time between now and the 2nd of June. If there are circumstances where one candidate decides to accept the futility of continuing, what would happen? Well, I don't think it would be appropriate for me to get into hypothetical questions like that because at the end of the day, we, are, we have set out a 16-day process. That is a really, really important process 
democratically for our party for the membership. No, it's a fa- no it's not, a I'm not asking you to comment on if a candidate withdrew what the situation. I'm just asking you procedurally: uh, Can you cope with that? Like, would you would you declare a result before the second of June uh, if if that happened? Uh, over the course of the 16 days, I'm sure we'll deal with very many different situations as they arise. And we have uh, the mechanism there. Executive Council will oversee the whole process. Um, Jerry O'Connell, our chairman of Executive Council, um, has been appointed as the returning officer for the election. Um, and, and we as an Executive Council body, uh, made up of all different elements of the party, will we'll deal with every eventuality as it arrives over the 16 days. But we are in day four of a 16-day process. Um, and we very much, last night at five o'clock, we saw the close of nominations where two candidates um, both secured uh, in excess of 10% of the parliamentary party, which is required to make them both nominated uh, to contest this leadership contest. And those nominations are now closed. Uh, and we look forward to our regional hostings that will take place um, starting next Thursday in the Red Cow um, in Dublin uh, and then moving around the country to Carlow, Ballinasloe yep, and Cork. And fi- fi- finally, Martin, finally, Martin, uh, there's a story in today's front page of today's Irish uh, Sunday Independent saying that uh, an hour before the closure of nominations, headquarters received a call uh, to know if Simon Harris could enter the field. Is that true? That's not something I'm aware of. Okay, so it it didn't happen. Well, not that I'm aware of. Okay, well, we leave that there. Let's cut to the chase, Fiek. Um The situation is this is an unwinnable war mm-hmm. for um, Simon. It's over. Um, do you think he'll quit? Uh, it's a long time for him to be, you know, doing a policy debate and giving hope where there is no hope. It's actually a tough spot for him. What do you think he'll do? I think he'll stick it out till the end. I think there was a bit of a wobble yesterday afternoon, probably not as much on Simon Coveney's own behalf, but the people around him, people who are supporting him, were urging him to back out. Like? Simon Harris was known to be one of those who was asking him to, 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 to consider stepping out. Because these people are looking after their own positions as well. Because, let's face it, they've backed the wrong horse. They're now looking at it probable Taoiseach Leo who's going to owe them no favours at all so from their point of view it's probably better that the contest ends and at the press conference yesterday which Leo Varadkar launched his campaign he was specifically asked will there be place in your cabinet for Simon Coveney Simon Harris and others he said there would be for Simon Coveney but he wouldn't give any commitments about anybody else but I think paradoxically if Simon Coveney hangs in there it'll be good for Leo Varadkar because Leo Varadkar will get to go to these hustings debate with Simon Coveney it'll be great for the party it's actually a rally for it's Leo it's a rally for Leo the yeah. party will be on show he'll be able to introduce himself to the party and the public so for I think he will stay in it might not necessarily be bad for Simon Coveney it could be bad for the people who support him um, your day job is partly Terry prone crisis management and so on it seems to me whatever way you spin it uh, whether people were misled or betrayal or whatever that the Coveney campaign is in crisis if you were advising him what would you advise him to do? Well the interesting thing on this is that my personal instinct would always be to say cut your losses get out um, um Cease the battle. Don't do a retreat from Moscow. Don't inflict unnecessary pain on yourself. However, the key thing when you're advising politicians or business people is to start with them. And 
I would know that Simon Coveney would not hear that. Simon Coveney would have a very strong sense that if you make a commitment to the hustings around the country, you have to do that. He would have a very strong sense that the members and the councillors all have a voice and two ears and that they need to hear the sort of things that he believes are important in policy. And so whatever the personal pain, and I would figure there would be considerable personal Mm. pain, he will do that and he will do it with some dignity and he would also believe that um, I was interested in when you played the Kate O'Connell clip she got a round of applause for a comment about rural Ireland and the need to to rebalance towards... She being uh, from Rathgar. But this is true. (laughs) But I would suspect that Coveney would see this as an opportunity to put in thoughts into future policy policy one way or the other, no matter who is the actual leader. I was speaking to a couple of people in the party yesterday and they say the membership wants this. Like the membership actively want to see these guys come down to them. Even but it's if not the as if their vote over. is going to count. No, but they want to see it. Even if this contest is over, which it is, this is the first time Fine Gael has ever but, but elected a leader like d- this. This raises a different problem. You could have an election for the British leader, Labour leadership, uh, which went on for weeks, nay months. And it's a bit esoteric, Jim. In this case, the country is put on hold because the new Fine Gael leader will have to sit down with Fianna Fáil to discuss new politics, the Supply and Confidence Agreement. He'll have to sit down with the uh, Alliance TDs to maybe revise the programme for government. And, and, and therefore, we're now facing a prospect that maybe we won't have a new Taoiseach well into the second or third week of June. Like... Is this good enough for the country? Is that an issue in, in the context of what, of what we're discussing? Well, it's certainly been an, inter- an, in- an issue for the media because they have a lot of programmes to fill and nothing to fill it with. That's the crux of it now, uh, Ivan, in that, in, in my view, what's best for the country uh, has disappeared over the horizon somewhere and for the last few weeks we've been involved in really what is a totally internal contest that is of interest really only to maybe about 10% of the the electorate and the other 90% are are left swinging and are probably going to be left swinging for the next at least three weeks until a new Taoiseach Well, I, I, just, I think in, in the last 48 hours there was a genuine national curiosity of who the next leader of the country mm. will be. Uh, but no, but no, but no now more, that no that's than, established... No more than a curiosity. Like, let, this is an electorate, 40% of whom don't bother voting in the first place. And you go back... This has really only been of interest and of real interest other than mild curiosity as to what, what's the headline in the paper. It's really only been of material interest to a very small minority of the people, that horrible phrase, out, out there. And are we going to be subjected to another fortnight of that? That's Simon's d- a dilemma. Is he going to... Uh, you know for the benefit the advantages accruing from what will amount to a Leo countrywide rally and victory march with knock on hopefully positive but, but effects surely for the that leads you to the, the point that, that like I spoke to some Fine Gael people yesterday who said oh it's ridiculous carrying it on now what's, what's the point of it all do you not think there will be a national impatience with the process I've no doubt absolutely mm. no doubt and the cost of, the cost of it I, I, I read a figure yesterday a quarter of a million which has, has, been, has, denied, has been budgeted but, yeah. I heard another figure from somebody involved of up to 
to 400,000. Mm. Uh, I tell you, there's a lot of raffle tickets for Fine Gael grassroots members to, Vic, to, Vic, to, to raise 400,000. When, when grand. might be the next window after which Simon could consider uh, sort of bowing out in the interests of party unity, mm. in the interests of, of uncertainty, getting rid of it? Like, when's his next window? The next window is probably when the hostings are completed. So that's next weekend. So the hostings will run over four days into next Sunday. So this day, next week, when he steps off the stage, I think the final one is in Cork after that, after that debate. That's his next window to withdraw before Fine Gael gets into full-on balloting mode, which actually is due to start the next morning. So even at that stage, although it's a small window, it will be very hard for him to do because the organisation will be ready to finish the debate and start the voting the next morning. So I think he's in it until the very end, but that's the next opportunity he has. Do you think there's been horse trading at the back of this? You, you are particularly close, Terry, to some ministers. Do you think people have been uh, bartering their continued role in Cabinet here? Because it did seem when Richard Bruton came out, he was doing it almost randomly, not only saying... You know, that he wasn't a candidate. He could never be a candidate because, you know, this has been so intense. There wasn't eight votes available uh, to nominate him. But he came straight out and said, uh, uh, Leo doesn't even know I'm supporting him, which I thought was a clever way of putting it. Therefore, ergo, I can't have been negotiating a job. But you take people like Mary Mitchell O'Connor and Francis Fitzgerald has been under a lot of pressure in Minister for Justice, who holds the number two job. Do, do you think that, that there's been frank discussions between Leo, his team, and saying, like, would you like to hold on to your job or what? I actually don't. I haven't heard of anything except there's one mention of somebody this morning saying that um, somebody, some minister talked to colleagues and said they were guaranteed a place. I haven't heard that and I haven't heard it from either camp, um, neither from Simon's nor from Leo's. And I thought that Leo's answer to the question about the two Simons yesterday was instructive because he talked about Simon Coveney as diligent honest and patient and that he would be very happy to work with them in the future. But I think that it would be over-egging the pudding to assume that when he didn't go further and say that Simon Harris uh, would also be welcome. I think that Leo at the moment is acutely conscious of not being arrogant or demonstrating hubris. Mm. And I believe that publicly and privately he will be loath to discuss or go near the formation of a cabinet that it would be improper for him to even think about until he is Taoiseach. The other thing that I'd like to ask you, get your take on is, you know, I, I I was around for more than twenty years in politics, and I, I now work in the media. And now I had, that I remember, no, it, sorry, you <laughs> helped a leader. Sure, it goes with old age, amnesia. It, it, you it, get forgetful. Well, but the point, this is important. This no, sorry, man the point. here, I want you all to know, orchestrated the winning of a leadership contest without having agreed anything about himself in the future yeah. and you got right royally screwed. Let that, that, that be a that, lesson. That, that's all in my great book, Full of Love. The question I was going to put to you is this. Style over substance. I mean, the whole thing of Leo Street, cupcakes and a stage managing not to launch his campaign, just to say I'm here and as the sun is shining and my mate Pascal's here and, and like this kind of... Um, like it, there was actually, you know, like, did you not feel like it a sap a, there uh, eating the the cupcakes? It, it was a bit superficial for the first few days. Like, you know, the Leo Street thing was naff. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, the, he uh, gets away with it. He gets away, but he's not going to get away with it anymore because there was a definite change in the questioning of him yesterday. People are now saying you are the Taoiseach. 
this whole uh, cool Leo stuff is out the window as far as we're concerned because you ha- now have to be held to the same standard that Enda Kenny was and Enda Kenny's statement during night actually at the book launch where he said the life of a Taoiseach is not easy you're going to be scrutinised he's going to find it out quite soon and I think they had anticipated that they'd roll policy out over the coming days and we saw a hint of that yesterday with this, you know, we're the party where people get up early in the morning. So we'll have to see a bit more in the coming days. Like today I woke up to the news at seven o'clock. Olio's running in a five uh, kilometre uh, run. I mean, this is more of it. But he does well, that every week, in, f- in fairness to <laughs> no, him. No, no, but he doesn't invite cameras regular, down every week. That's a regular event. <laughs> like, oh, and he had a latte as well. For God's sake, I mean, is this, is this not just more PR? We're now living in a, a PR world. <laughs> I'm not responsible for any of this, but I would point you out to, blame to for you. This? I would point out to you that although I would not have been in the cupcake department, um, it was impressive how many newspapers yesterday mm. carried close-up okay. pictures of the cupcake with the name Leo on it. We collectively despise this kind of cheap tawdry stuff. We must also collectively admit that occasionally it works. Okay, yeah, we're talking. Yes, sorry. And interesting too, uh, Ivan was. Richard Bruton alone stood out from all of this in that his announcement of his allegiance, to the best of my memory, was from outside his office in Marlborough Street, mm. whereas all of the others were dancing to the tune of the choreographers of either group. My panel today, Jim Glennon, Terry Prone and Fake Kelly of the Irish Times. Jim, um, when, when we get past all this process of Fine Gael stuff and we get to the door, how do you think Fianna Fáil's strategists will be assessing um, the government now? Because you could take the view that it was fine and dandy, you know, giving support in all circumstances, no matter what the pressure on the Garda Commissioner or what other controversy was out there, while they had Enda on life support, a guy who wasn't going to lead them into the next election uh, and so on. Now they know, you know, he is going to be the combatant against them for the next general election. And there is perhaps 7-8% of the electors that could easily flip FG. FF, 500,000 people have consistently done it over the previous elections. What do you think the Fianna Fáil approach will be? To cut them off at the knees or to give them a honeymoon? The first thing I think, Ivan, is they'll be watching the next two weeks very, very closely is to see what kind of a, a, a momentum develops uh, in this uh, the hustings process whether it becomes a victory march for uh, for Leo and possibly divisive within Fine Gael or whether it becomes a Fine Gael victory march for new Fine Gael with Leo and Simon as the new faces of the new generation. A branding exercise. A, a branding exercise. Like This is the first major intergenerational transfer that there has been in, politi- in Irish politics really since Garrett took over... From Cosgrave, yeah. From Cosgrave, 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago. Uh, There have been a few changes within Fianna Fáil, but obviously with, uh, sorry, all within uh, fairly tight uh, age bands. But this is a... a, a, Pohy to Reynolds to Bertie, they were all senior ministers and all that, yeah. Precisely. Here here you have a 30-year leap from Enda in his mid-late 60s to Simon in his late 30s. Or sorry, to Leo yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. his late 30s. I think Fianna Fáil will be watching it really very, very carefully. I think it's important to uh, say that the, the confidence and supply arrangement between the two parties is between the parties as such and not dependent on the individual's concerns. So the fact that uh, Enda has stepped down doesn't mean that uh, th- there's any change in any way. And 
Supreme Court have stated that they will uh, endorse the new Taoiseach as a duly elected leader. But, but do you not think it will mark a sea change in Fianna Fáil's attitude insofar as we know that Fianna Fáil can bring down this administration whenever they want. Surely they won't want Leo to be a success. I agree with you totally. They were quite comfortable with their arrangement, particularly with with Enda. Uh, they knew Enda was going at some stage, that he wouldn't be leading them into the next election and that th- there would be a, a period of hiatus within the the the, ter- the term of the, that agreement. Uh, having said that... In, uh, I've always been of the view that the one slogan that can be easily recalled from Fianna Fáil's performance in the the post-election negotiations is three budgets. The Fianna Fáil hat has been hung on that hook of three budgets. Three budgets uh, as which would get us to where? Which gets us to budget 2018, mm. which in electoral the autumn of the, yeah. the autumn of 18, which in electoral terms probably means the spring of 2019, possibly autumn 2018. But I, I okay. personally believe that I have predicted uh, way before Theresa May called her election there would be an Irish general election and a British general election in 2017. So we leave that there. Terry. Sorry, do you still go with that? Oh, absolutely. I think this has absolutely accelerated the time of the next election. So you see see an election? Oh, I see an election in the autumn. Oh, I think it's inevitable. And I tell you what, I think there's a good chance chance that Leo will call it, uh, Mm. if Fianna Fáil don't. And I've already heard that mentioned. The dynamic of the doll under a new Taoiseach. Discuss, Terry. There will be a considerable interest within Fianna Fáil to get Leo, if it is Leo, past the popularity bounce, the eight months where he's got. And that's the first thing. They have an investment in getting past that to the point where real politic uh, kicks in. Fianna Fáil have an investment? Yes, they have. Fianna Fáil. um, Because Fianna Fáil do not want to go to the country in the next eight months where Leo is the hero and the household name and the new guy and fresh blood, assuming it is Leo and we have to leave that open. I am. The second thing is that the dynamic within Leinster House is going to change completely because Michal Martin has had, on leaders' questions and things, he has had a T-shirt with a very sequential, orderly way of talking, whereas Leo is quite different. And the pace of the two of them is going to change. That means Michal Martin is going to have to change and develop and learn a new approach. And... If it is Leo, Leo is going to have to uh, walk a very fine line between smart, witty cracks and an impulsivity that could push him over the edge. Well, let me throw in one additional ingredient. I'm also predicting that Mary Lou will be leading Sinn Féin uh, into the autumn. Um, In that circumstance, will Micheál Martin be under more pressure? Two young leaders against him. I don't think youth has anything to do with it. I think that Mary Lou's competence is unrelated to her youth. She has an old competence in politics and that's what she will bring to the leadership, assuming she gets the leadership. And we know that the current leader has a longevity and a durability that passeth belief. Well, it's beyond 34 years now. I think it's near the end. Uh, Fiak, first of all, uh, the dynamic in the door mm. and the timing of the next election. What's your sense of it? 
I think the dynamic of it all, I agree with Terry, it is going to change quite significantly. We got a teaser of it a couple of weeks ago when Varadkar took leaders' questions and he was quite combative, you know, took on Fianna Fáil in a way that Enda Kenny never did and attacked Sinn Féin on the left in a way that Kenny never did. Kenny the odd time would kind of come out with a intemperate kind of remark that you'd have to kind of really strain to hear whereas Varadkar was clear, articulate, setting out quite uh, significant dividing lines. So I think that's going to be a real test for Michal Martin, as Terry has said. But if he does have an impulsive nature, he'll have to restrain himself and he'll have to be a bit statesman-like. He cannot be seen to be... He can, he's, a, he's a new man, but he's a statesman now. He can't be impetuous and just causing rows for the sake of causing rows. And the t- timing of the general election, I think you're right. I think that it's more likely that Faradkar will call it rather than Fianna Fáil in the autumn if there is to be an autumn election. I don't for one second buy this thing that I'm not going to call a snap election. Theresa May said that if the polls are opportune for him, he would do Gordon so. And Gordon Brown probably lived should have, and should have yeah, done it. Yeah. The other scenario is I think that there would be an autumn 18 election because um, there could be a row over the third budget. Let's face it, they have said three budgets, confidence and supply. But why would you go into an election if you just agreed a budget that you both... I said, like, this is the broad parameters of it. So you're going to the public, we're just the same, so why would you bother vote for one or other of us? So there'll need to be a row of some description. And the budget in 2018, there's going to be a bit more money to spend if projections continue. Well, that's a big if for Brexit. Well, the public sector pay talks are another. Yeah, and, like, there's a lot of negative things in the entry. Yeah. Like, well, expectations the thing, sorry, are yeah, high post recession, and Brexit is dark yes. cloud. Fianna Fáil would like public sector pay to be off the table before they go to the country so that means that has to be dealt with in this budgetary process so that gets us through this budget into the spring the next budget you could cause an almighty row over spending and go to the country then As we've been speaking here on Yates and Sunday just to let you know at this very moment Simon Coveney is launching his manifesto and policy document in Dean Hotel in Dublin Kate O'Connell is emceeing it Simon Harris is currently speaking saying this contest is only starting the last few days have been tough but when the tough uh, you know when it gets tough the tough get going. Harris also warning we don't need a coronation, we need a debate. I don't know what planet they're on. But anyway Jim, let's play a little bit of fantasy cabinet. Um, I'm hearing different things. Leaving aside the fact that nearly everyone voted for Leo. Simon Harris perhaps in trouble. Damien English perhaps in trouble for backing the wrong horse. But people like Mary Mitchell O'Connor people felt it was an unsuitable job for her. The question of the tarnished of staying on in justice. Uh, both from your perspective of, you know, as a lobbyist with Edelman and so on, in terms of good governance. What, what would you like to see in terms of a ministerial reshuffle? Far be it from me to suggest what I'd like to see. Never had me back. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And you're welcome to it. I I think when you look at it, there are two definite vacancies and possibly uh, one one further uh, if Simon Harris uh, is is excluded. Uh, Is is there scope for reconfiguration of... Some of the departments there is a suggestion finance and public finance and public expenditure being the obvious one, but you have to counter that with where the country is at at the moment. Like the word recession seems to be falling back in in the rearview mirror. Uh, the economy is by no means. Well, do you think out, you should appoint a Brexit minister? There was a lot of criticism that you know there's an awful lot of micro detail across a lot of departments, and the Taoiseach's a busy person, whoever he or she is, and and that we need a dedicated Brexit minister. What would you well, think? I, I think there should be an office for Brexit. I, I don't need. I don't necessarily feel that uh, there sh- it should be a actually a, at the cabinet table uh, some high profile individual with. 
significant experience in Europe, for example, and uh, possibly uh, Bertie seems very interested in, in such a role. There are others. One of the papers this morning uh, uh, runs a list of candidates for... Certainly there, there is scope for... Uh, and I think it, it, it would be very welcome, but whether it is a full cabinet position, and it would, like when you think about it, it that would create difficulties for him in that, that it would be squeezing out individuals uh, within the current cabinet. Uh, you know, the, the whole issue of cabinet position, does he want to just continue as is, call a snap election and then impose his stamp on it or does he just want to follow through as it is with the minimum change in the we are in the lead into the budget and we're by no means out of the economic woods there's also when you think about it homelessness is Simon Coveney to be left uh, dealing with the homeless issue okay now my memory is long enough that I can remember when you were very close uh, Terry to Albert Reynolds and P Flynn and all that kind of, and we had the Valentine's Day massacre whereby Jerry Collins and everyone they were riddled with bullets and exiled <laughs> and so on should, should, would Leo take that approach? I think it would be highly unlikely because you must remember that in the last 25 years of Fine Gael's history a good 15 years of that was the family at war it was deep division, deep bitterness, mutual hatreds and Enda Kenny managed to pull them out of that. I uh, would believe that Leo or Simon would be very unwilling to go back that route. The other thing that I would be prepared to bet Seen, seen as how we're dealing with gamblers here, um, is that whether Simon Coveney or Leo Varadkar becomes Taoiseach, they are extremely unlikely to appoint either Bertie Hearn, chances none, but also uh, the current Taoiseach. They would want to move on. They don't see this as, as a reward for past uh, labours or indeed they don't believe that the Taoiseach has uh, a unique set of contacts that cannot be uh, matched. Indeed, the uh, Leo uh, Varadkar has said that he's been at many of the meetings. He can do it. I would suspect, and I think it would be an elegant solution to have a junior minister within Taoiseach's department because it has to be close to the Taoiseach but it doesn't need to be at the cabinet table. Let's is, get that, is that not there already? Is that junior minister for European affairs? Okay, let's get down and dirty. I'm saying Owen Murphy will be in the cabinet, yes. John Paul Phelan will be the whip. Uh, who do you think might be on the way up or on the way down, Fake? I think from the gossip sources you I have. I think Mary Mitchell O'Connor is likely to be moved. She'll stay in cabinet. I maybe imagine, education. Maybe education. Who will be justice minister? There's talk. Richard, Richard Bruton, I heard. That Save the, pair of hands. Save pair of hands would go in and do a decent job of it as well I think one thing actually about the cabinet I heard one of the Varadkar supporters a couple of months ago and we were just chatting over a cup of coffee as you do said well if you look at what Theresa May did when she took over the government she kind of a couple of high profile executions Cameron was gone Osborne and Gove the rest broadly remain the same although yeah, it would be a bit. fishing punishment for yeah. Simon to keep him in Angola I, don't know, that, that's, <laughs> I think his WhatsApp message when Charlie Flanagan suggested he wanted to go, want to move basically ensure that that was the, exactly going to happen that he wasn't going to move but there is a possibility that in removing Kenny and Noonan and possibly one more person that the public face of the co- government will change and then just a bit of reshuffling around Owen Murphy is almost a dead cert to be promoted to cabinet OK we're talking to Fia Kelly Terry Prone and Jim Glennon more to come in just a moment uh, and we're going to talk about the old guard who've left the stage Enda Kenny announcing his stepping down but we have a movie for you The Last Jedi coming to a screen near you <laughs> A long, long time ago, in an Irish state far, far away, 
you do realize that there's a, an energy, a force. The story of a Jedi Knight from the West. Sitting on a hillside in the West to watch the um, hanging moon at three o'clock in the morning. That's no moon. It's a space station. It's a trap! A battle between the good and dark sides of the Force. And for a resolution on legacy bank debt. A system that went out of control completely. And the IMF eventually came into the track, yeah. Featuring Endo One Kenny Obi. Where we are in that space, a force that's, uh, that surrounds us. Princess Lucinda. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. Darth Varadkar. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away! And James Riley. <laughs> the movie event of the year. We have helped to bring Europe back from the brink of catastrophe. You have learned much, young one. I believe that the energy that drives us force that's uh, is indestructible but you are not a Jedi yet also featuring Grandmaster Michael D retaining hope very important I think that it is if you only knew the power of the dark side that is the most devious funny of the mind <laughs> coming soon Star Wars the Irish State Strikes Back. Fia <laughs> Kelly, Terry Prone and Jim Glennon are still with me. We want to have a look back at Enda now. For for the last 15 years, you have loyally, Terry Prone, defended Enda Kenny. You're still defending your hero? No, I actually Weeping haven't Weeping and gnashing, are you? But I would point out to uh, your audience that you and Ed Kenny at one stage shared an office. Correct. In the it early has, 80s. It has never emerged what happened in that office, but you have been suffering from traumatic stress disorder no, Can I say since. in the 90s we shared a seated cabinet together? I've never had a difficulty with that. But you have this portrayal of Ed Kenny as a kind of a useless good-humoured Egypt that was fun to be around. And whose who, wife, Fanula O'Kelly, it, transformed him... A f- friend of yours and deserves all the credit we were actually getting two for the price of one we talk about Bill and Hill this was a Bill and Hill as far as I'm concerned she transformed the man and she was the brains behind him absolute nonsense Um, (laughs) Fanula O'Kelly was the most tremendous operator in GIS and then was uh, head of communications in RTE and she simply put it all to one side and said, OK, I'm going to go home, I'm going to mind the house, you do... You're denying uh, she was the real Taoiseach? I'm absolutely denying it. And I also think that what's significant about this morning's papers is that a lot of people who wouldn't have had a lot of time for Enda Kenny, including Matt Cooper, are doing detailed analysis that say, yes, he will be remembered for this, yes, he was successful in that. Um, but from Fine Gael's point of view, he is undoubtedly the most successful leader that they've ever had in terms of taking over a destroyed party, a party about which it was said at the time it might have no future. But what does Andrew really believe in? Surely he's just a pragmatist who just went with the, you know, the flow of the tide. He was one. Of, he was like Bernie. He was a classic. He, like, he has no vision for modern Ireland. He didn't read memos when it came to universal health insurance. You know, the abolition of the Senate. He just wandered into that campaign. Like he, he, he was very ad hoc. See, I told you, he's just so bitter and twisted about <laughs> Andy Kenny's success. It's called no, analysis. Um, the interesting thing, you do touch on something which I believe will be a nightmare for any. Good 
ghostwriter who might work with uh, the Taoiseach if he does an autobiography. It is that Enda Kenny is the least personally reflective man I think I have ever met. He doesn't consider his own motivation, his own feelings. His He, he protects, other than a few interviews where he and Fanula were funny about meeting and how he fancied her in the blue dress from mm. the start. He has actually been very protective about his relationship with his father, his relationship with his kids. He's quite private, even though he gives the impression of being incredibly social. Um, and that's that's an interesting thing. Going back to your question, which if, if it was a question, um, the fact is that this is a man with an overwhelming sense of duty, of responsibility. This is what must be done. And so if he has to challenge his own religious background with a speech like the Vatican speech, he just does it. And nobody knows what agony that would have caused him. But he did it. He's like the Nike ad. Just do it. Uh, Enda Kenny, intellectual heavyweight? I think he's um, a pragmatist. I, I agree with you. You call him a pragmatist. Um, Lacking I conviction? I, I don't think... No, he doesn't lack conviction. I don't think... I think he has well, conviction. Other than for his own survival? No, I think there is there's conviction there. I do think that the, 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 the vision of Ireland thing, perhaps, you're, you're somewhat correct in that the the last government, of, that, of which will be his legacy, really, this government, his main... Uh, achievement but was putting it together and it's just stayed in the road since then that was a, a testament to his political skills the last government lost its way when it emerged from the bailout and it wasn't following the strictures set down by the Troika which and they inherited w- from Brian Lennon which they, but yes but then that kind of speaks to where was the the governing philosophy where was the idea of where the party should like go surely his real strength was that he didn't get distracted or deviated from the jobs 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 mantra. yes that is that that is the great strength of that government and it will be remembered as a good government I, I believe like there were scandals with the Gardaí there were other issues water charges was a mistake they should have pulled back when it became obvious that it was going to cause an electoral nightmare for not only the Labour Party but eventually for Fine Gael as well. I, was, I spoke to a number of people to try and get a balanced perspective on him because I was writing in the Indo a supplement you know, when he was going to go and I was shocked. I ranked three people who were intensely close to him through the heave in his time in government and during campaigns for Fine Gael. And they all said, why, why are you ringing me? I'm not close to him to Kenny. Mm. And they said, he used to ring me nine times a day. He hasn't rung me for the last three years. Was there an element of which it was always business with Enda? I think, yeah, I think so. Do you, you hear people in Leinster House, perhaps, who are friends of his, who are then not friends of his. There's people always coming and going from the circle now, but there are people who have been with him since he was leader, who work for him, who are now stepping down as well. You think of people like Mark Kennelly, who's worked for him since 2002. But otherwise, people come in and out of the circle. James Riley, Alan Shatter. People like Paddy Burke, the senator down in Mayo. They're in, they're out. It's just Enda and Fanula, I would imagine, and one or two others, and that's it. Did you want to say something about that? Because I, I want to go to Jim about uh, Leinster and Enda, yeah. The non-political thing. One of the distinguishing things about Enda Kenny is that he's kind. And although he may not have the ruthless. determination to stay in contact with people, the people that you're talking about, Enda Kenny is the person who appears, he gets off a plane from the States or from Europe and he goes to somebody who's sick. 
He actually does that. Nobody can question that. There's ordinary Fine Gael members around the country will give you their examples of it and there was damn all political gain in it. He has a kindness that should never be overlooked. And I think everyone would wish him a very happy return. Jim, uh, I, I want to talk to you, not from a slagging point of view, I am Leinster's most passionate fan, but just your take your take on Enda, how, how will Fianna Fallers judge him? Well, I think on, on, very quickly on a, on a personal basis, uh, Enda Kenny was a, a, a very li- very likable guy. I had limited dealings with him in, in my time in, in Leinster House, but he uh, uh, very personable. But it was behind that personability, if that's a word, uh, he was very genuine. I found and a, a very likable man. Uh, I, I think, from a political perspective, he brought he and his government brought stability at a time when stability was very badly needed. That would be the the upside uh, of his contribution. The downside certainly was uh, the, the water charges and the absolute bungling of uh, that entire issue from from start to finish. There's a um, stubbornness there as well because the Labour Party was screaming at him to stop. And, and I personally, I think both him and Michael Noonan really were devastated by the result of the election. They felt they'd win. Now, I just I can't let you go. Uh, I, I couldn't see circumstances whereby Leinster wouldn't win on Friday. I'm, I'm gutted and disappointed. I did. I did. I backed Leinster to win the trophy, not just to win on, on Friday. What went wrong? I think it was a perfect storm or an imperfect storm. Uh, well, dropping the ball isn't a perfect storm. I mean, were well, they no, mentally no, prepared, dro- right? Uh, no, I suspect no. Remember, they'd put 45 points on Scarlets in the RDS just a, just a few weeks ago with a shadow team. Uh, I think th- th- when you look at it coldly, and it was horrible to look at at the time, but when you look at it coldly, there was a succession of injuries there on the on the pitch on the night. Not I I, I don't take for a long. Well, no. Sexton, why didn't no, Sexton le- take the kick? Leave Wexford out of it for a minute. Jack McGrath, Luke McGrath, Reese Ruddock were all retired, injured. All of them are leaders and core leaders with, uh, within the group. In addition, Devon Toner had been left out. Uh, for selection purpose, obviously for pure strategy, but unfortunately, when those three others uh, disappeared from the fray, the absence of Toner, the leader, to me was was a crucial factor. Uh, having said that, Scarlets are a very good side, obviously on the rise. It's some. Munster beat them though, won't they? I hope so. I, w- I wouldn't be adopting the attitude that you obviously have. No, no, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. But I mean, but I certainly... I wouldn't, I, think I, would, I wouldn't be presuming... You can't presume anything now, but particularly after Friday night. Scarlets will be on an absolute high, come to Dublin with nothing, to, absolutely nothing to lose. My thanks to former rugby international Leinster coach Jim Glennon, uh, to the inimitable Queen of Spin, Terry Prawn, and to Fiat Kelly, political correspondent of the Irish Times... Yates on Sunday on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland. Energy at work for you.